Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Sean Epperson, game developer, publisher, co-founder of Thing 12 Games, which formed in 2016. Since then, they've published and manufactured five games, Dice of Crowns, Dice of Pirates, Click Click Boom, Seals of Cthulhu, and their newest title, Dinos Not Assembled. Sean, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Hey, it is. Uh, I get excited having guests on. It always. It, I, I find sometimes I'm more excited than even the guests that come on because uh, I get to talk to some cool people, learn some new things, and um, certainly uh, being publishers of five games now, uh, obviously you guys have built up a bit of a knowledge base that it's always kind of cool to tap into and, and learn from others. So before we get into the games, though, I really want to kind of get into this thing 12 like when i first read that i'm like is this thing one thing two like what what is this where'd this name come from each one has a number on it so uh the way this came about is uh my partner is sean harold so and we've worked together at various companies and people started calling us thing one and thing two because we're named the exact same thing and when we were trying to come up with a name for our company when we decided let's do this uh, we were like, well, okay, thing one and thing two are kind of an owned IP. Like, we don't want to upset the ensued. <laughs> that would be terrible. So we thought, well, what about thing 12? Kind of like the idea of mashing those things together. And we're both in Seattle. So there's sort of a 12th man, you know, Seahawks kind of vibe going on. So yeah, yeah. our colors are green and blue. So it just all kind of worked together in a nice little marriage. That's cool. So this started in 2006. Now, were you guys working on games before 2016? Like, is that when you officially formalized or is it kind of when you started? Uh, we, When we formalized as an LLC, we'd actually been working on a title before that. So we were kind of like working on things like, okay, well, now we need to actually like take the next step, get this all in order if we want to actually put something together on Kickstarter. And what was that title that you're working on? What was that? Uh, that was Dirty Cops, uh, A Game for Scoundrels. So, Dirty Cops. I love it. Yep. <laughs> and it's, so it's our, it was an, our interesting first dip into the Kickstarter world because it wasn't going to fund. And that was a, that was a tough nugget to chew, but yeah. we learned so much from it and it allowed us to take a better step forward and actually put out a game and we did really well with it. And we showed backers, you know, Hey, we know what we're doing and we're going to deliver you a really high quality product that you're going to have fun with. So that dirty cops game, it, uh, so you actually did put it on Kickstarter. So it actually mm-hmm. went on, but, and did it, did you pull it or they just, uh, you didn't hit your funding goal? Um, we pulled it before we hit the funding goal, which is yeah. actually something that I often recommend to Kickstarter backers. Like, if you see your game's not going to fund, to go ahead and cancel it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, there's a bit of a stigma when you look at something and it's like not funded. Like, oh, well, what's wrong with this game? Versus yeah. canceling, that shows that you're aware of problems and you need to go in and figure out, okay, what was the problem? What do we need to fix? And for ourselves, really it was it was way overproduced uh Mm. we were asking for more than really what people were comfortable doing for a first-time kickstarter creator so we're like okay well people are a little trepidatious with us they don't really trust us because they don't know us so what if we do something smaller something Mm. more manageable 
And that's how we got Dice of Crowns because it was a smaller product. We could really just, you know, focus, laser focus on it and, and just make it shine. I think it's interesting perspective when you, when you kind of articulate it that way that people from the outside looking in, um, it almost signals to them that you're self-aware. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that before. That's actually quite astute because it, it's true. You know, if you see something that did not fund, the question is usually, okay, what happened? Why did it fail? You know, why didn't they pull the shoot? Like, obviously they knew they yeah. weren't going to hit it. Why didn't they pull the shoot? And I think that, I mean, quite frankly, if you're halfway into your campaign, you should, you have a good idea if this is going to be a massive epic uphill climb or if you're going to hit your target and people are just kind of stick it out. Uh, it, it could be for lack of awareness, right. Or, yeah. or just, uh, not not seeing kind of the 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 trees through the forest so what surprised me though is when you came back at it though you didn't come back at it with dirty cops quite frankly i'm looking at your five game list and not one of them is called dirty cops so what happened to that game it's still around i've actually been kind of working with it and it's there's some redesigns that I've been doing to kind of streamline it a little bit but also like just the time right now when it was out, it was an okay time for it. There were some people that were like, well, are you saying cops are bad? I'm like, no, that's not the purpose of this game. That you're bad, you're these monster cops in the game and you're doing kind of duplicitous things. You're all working together against these bad guys, these criminals, but you're also kind of against each other. So everybody's just a terrible person in this game. Everybody's dirty. That's a new title. Everyone's dirty because it's the next title of the game. Who knows? That's part two. Uh, and what, what were you guys doing before this? So you and Sean, uh, thing one and thing two or thing 12, um, have you been like kind of lifelong friends of you or did you know each other uh, just basically through business or? Uh, we met when we were working at the same video game company. So he and I are both video game producers uh, and we've oh, been cool. producers for a long time. Um, I got into the video game industry back in 98 yeah, 98, uh, working at Electronic Arts as a tester. Huzzah. Nice. Uh, way back. <laughs> it's not a small company. Yeah. Yeah, they had a, a presence over in Seattle for, for a while there. So, yeah, that was my intro. But uh, we were working at a company called Gryptonite Games, and we were making handheld titles. And uh, we just both happened to be working in the same place. And, you know, producers started talking to each other. We just became really good friends. He's a really cool guy. And I, you know, just got along really well with him. And, we're, we're an interesting kind of yin and yang, like where he's a lot more like focused on um, the the financial side of creative endeavors and, and, and that thing. I'm more focused on like the crazy, like weird de- design ideas types of creative endeavors. So yeah. we're, we're, an, we're a really good pairing that way. We kind of balance each other out. And then so, and it was on kind of on the job, like were you... Uh, both playing board games together at the same time? Like, were you saying, Hey, you know, by the way, like how, how does that just kind of trying to figure out how that kind of conversation and spark starts. Right. It was, it was actually really interesting. So we had, we had left, both of us had left uh group today games. We went to a different company called big fish games. Oh, and okay. while we were working there, um, that's when Kickstarter was really starting to kick up and <laughs> pardon the pun. And, I'd been looking at Kickstarter and I'd been backing a couple things. Uh, I've been playing some board games off and on, doing a lot of Magic the Gathering. That was my big, my yeah. big exposure and, and focus. Um, 
and as, as I was looking at Kickstarter, I was looking at it from the creative side. Like, how are people really engaging with their audience? What kind of things are they doing visually? What are they doing to really bring people in and keep them engaged and create that, like, that interest that I want to come back and see how the project's going. I want to tell other people about it. He was looking at it from the financial side. Like, okay, what are they doing as far as, like, their costs? What are they doing as far as, um, you know, making the different pledge levels and, you know, what are their goals and, and why do they have those specific numbers? So we were looking at the same thing, but from two very different avenues. And uh, at one point I had started working on Dirty Cops uh, just as I needed to do something creatively where I had more control because it takes a lot of different people to get a video game together. Yeah, of course. This was something I could too. just kind of yeah. work on myself, right? So I've been working on this. I'm like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to put this on Kickstarter. I started talking to him like, hey, I've been looking at this Kickstarter thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I've been doing the exact same thing, but from this angle. And the more we talked, like, why don't we work together? Because we, we really love each other yeah. and try and do this together and, and really focus on this thing. We know a lot of different artists. We know a lot of different illustrators, you know, we can make this happen. And we did, we actually put something together and it's really amazing, really super cool art. And I want the game to come out, but now it's more of just waiting for a time when mm. the audience is ready. And I don't think that's where we're at right now. So you guys have actually thought of even on like the video games, like doing video games as well, or just been primarily board games? Uh, we, we don't really want to go down the video game route because we do that during the day anyway. So no, we I really kind of satiate that that desire there. And we don't really want to compete with the companies that we're working with. Yeah, either conflict of interest, different. right? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. interesting, right? Like you, you would, people looking uh, kind of in from the outside would think, oh gosh, you got two guys who produce games. Just do a micro game. This is or an app that maybe this could be something natural for them. But I get it. You know, people that are on, uh, you know, computers all day, the last thing you want to do when you get home is get on another computer, right? In your spare right. time, you almost need something to kind of decompress and escape kind of the day to day and, uh, and creatively stimulate you too and, and, and learn new things. So that's pretty cool. So let's talk about some of those games. So the first game that kind of was Dice of Crowns, I guess, was the first one that you hit, yep. right? Yep. And so how did that come about? Was that your creation? Was that someone else's creation? How Dice of Thrones, where'd that come from? Uh, Dice of Crowns was a game by uh, our designer friend, Badger Roulette. And he and I had been playing games uh, during our lunch break. We would bring things in <laughs> and do stuff. And he was a, he was a test lead at the time. And, and he and I were both working at Big Fish. And um, he came to me and he was like, hey, check out this game that I made. He had a 3D printer, so he had printed out all these dice. And we sat down, we played it, and apparently he was traveling back and forth between Seattle and Portland a lot, and he would just come up with different game designs while he's driving. He needs, his mind needs something to do yeah. while he's driving. So anyway, he came up with this thing, inspired, you know, kind of loosely inspired off Game of Thrones, this mm. sort of like really backstabby, uh, you know, dice-chucking game. And it was really cool. I really liked it. And at this point, we had already canceled Dirty Cops. So we we're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we want to do to move forward? Well, then Badger comes along and he presents me this game that is compact. It's small. Uh, it has a lot of player interactivity. It's something I hadn't seen before because it has players engaging with each other on each other's turns. There's no downtime. And I'm like, I really, really dig this. And I, I've been talking with some people. I could get art 
involved in this and we could make this happen and he was like yeah that sounds awesome let's do this so and he knew sean as well so we, we all had a very positive relationship with each other and yeah so we started you know got some people together and made it happen and it was quite successful i think you did um was like a twenty thirty thousand dollar campaign i believe right was when i was yes. checking the numbers and so how did how did you build up that level like what what were some of the key things that you know, for your first campaign, that that's that's pretty good. Was it learnings you carried over from your your prior campaign, or how did you get to that level? It, I mean, definitely the learnings that we had from before definitely played into it. Uh, but we did a lot of groundwork. Uh, we spent, oh gosh, I think more than a year working mm-hmm. on that game. And part of it was uh, working with a group called Playtest Northwest uh, here in the Seattle area. And what they would do is they would go to different cons and there's a lot of cons in the Seattle area. Uh, they would be there and you could just sit down and play test with folks and get their input. So we would do that and we would ask people, if you're interested in the game, please leave your email address. We'll let you know when it goes on Kickstarter. So we built up a really strong email list that way. Uh, there was also a, um, a contest, a gaming contest, design contest called the Lucy Awards. And so we submitted this game for that. Uh, it got a lot of positive buzz and people really enjoyed it. And it ended up winning the Player's Choice Award for uh, for that con and you know that was another big push for us um and then going out and doing interviews and you know going out and doing um you know in-person interviews and doing online interviews and talking with people and we sent it out to different reviewers so we printed out a bunch of prototypes like there's just so much back work that you need to do to make sure that people are going to be aware of it so you had 1920 backers, which is not a small number. That's that's a pretty decent campaign. In Canadian dollars, that's like 38,000. I'm not sure what that is in US. Um, but fairly successful campaign. I like the concept uh, for people listening. It's everything fits in a little mint tin. Is that that's yeah. kind of the idea, right? Yeah. Uh, so your dice, your player tokens, there's actually a little crown, so I guess you're actually fighting for the crown, are you? Is that yep. what that is there? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> And so you took that learning. And then, so when I was looking at kind of the five campaigns over four years, that's a lot of games that you guys have kind of cranked out quickly. Um, was it moving? Did you move very fast in the click, click boom? Was that uh, a quick transition or like what then got you to kind of get to the next, the next game? So we really spent a lot of time focusing on Dice of Crowns and getting that. Um, yeah. Once we got out of the Kickstarter phase of that and worked into starting doing, okay, now we got to focus on the production side. There's a whole ton of work you got to do on the, yeah. on the back end now. Um, I was able to kind of start putting a little more of my attention on some different ideas that I had. And I was listening to a podcast one day as I was driving between work and home and they were talking about, it was Eric Lang actually talking um, with uh, one of the places up in, in Canada, I can't remember right now, but he was talking about games that have that sort of uh, a bluffing element. Uh, and then I had recently heard about a game that where you expose your, your hand of cards to everybody and it's mm-hmm. a cooperative game and players have to, they can't communicate with each other directly. They have to do kind of this offhand communication. Mm. So I liked that idea, but I didn't want it to be a cooperative game. So I thought, well, what if you could see everybody's 
else's hand of information. You had perfect information around you, but you didn't know your own. And people can just say whatever they want, and they're actively working against you. Yeah. And, you know, that sounds like a really interesting design space. And so I put together some cards and thought, well, what, what does it work at? You know, what, what sort of thing applies to that from a thematic standpoint? And the idea of, of kind of a Russian roulette type of game. And so I went out and I play tested it and it was really fun. So I just kept working on it. So while we're working on getting Dice of Crowns out to people, I'm actually working on, you know, getting this game going. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And was that were you able to? Uh, so how far after um, uh, Dice of Thrones were was the click click boom launch? Was that like a six month window or a year? Or how long did that? Take? Uh, I believe Dice of Crowns was about a year before uh, click click boom. So um, because we also won the Player's Choice Award for click click boom as well oh, when nice. we had submitted to Lucy Awards. So that was really fun. And then were you able to carry over like the people that? I mean, your 1920 backers on your your um, dice of crowns were you able to carry any of those people over to click click boom or how did you transition or try to you know leap off or lunge off of your prior success on on your campaign you had before that well we knew that people were going to need to get their game first so we got those out to backers before we put anything on Kickstarter because again, we, we had to prove ourselves yeah. and we want people to see, okay, this is the kind of quality we can expect. And you know, this is how it's going to go. Um, we got some backers from Dice of Crowns, but um, we didn't have as many as we were hoping to get. Uh, we had just crested over the funding level when it shut down. Mm. Um, there's an, there's an interesting thing with it that it's a really fun party game but um, whenever we demo with people, they absolutely have a blast and they, they buy it and they, you know, they get home and they have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. But uh, for some reason, just sitting there, it doesn't sell as well just from the cover, which is, it's interesting. So that's something we've been trying to like, okay, well, what kind of lessons can we take away from there? There's always things that you can learn, you know, from whatever mistakes happen or, or whatever. I mean, the game was produced great you know yeah. the, the car quality is really good um the art's really attractive uh it's not bloody or gory at all so it's something you can actually play with your family and, and friends so yeah yeah and did you use the same artist for all your work or did you use different artists or uh we had a different artist do the the actual character work for the game okay. uh, and then we work with uh someone named darren michelson and he does a lot of the illustrative work for us mm -hmm. so he actually took um the artist that did all the animals and whatnot took their art and actually created the box art and some of the illustrations for um some of the inner pieces like he did all the coins things like that and we worked with another illustrator that actually did uh the card layout so there's two or three different people that we routinely kind of work with. I'd say that uh, like your artwork across all your games is really nice. Uh, Thank so you. it's, it's very, uh, very polished and uh, obviously uh, very professionally done. Um, so then your next game was then your dice pirates. So was it kind of like nostalgia of, you know, we didn't fun as much as we did with the uh, uh, dice of uh, throw dice of crown. So now we're going to uh, take another kick at dice or how did that one come about then? Uh, when we were working on Dice of Crowns, when we were like, yeah, this is good. This is going to do well for us. Um, it's a really fun game. We're always looking like, is there something we can do with this title 
for a long-term span. And we were already talking about like, well, what would the next title be? So before Dice of Crowns was even fully funded, uh, you know, and, and on Kickstarter, we knew that we were going to be doing a pirate game. So it was just a matter of, you know, getting these other games out and, and positioning it, give it time to kind of bake out in the public and then put out Dice of Pirates. And we knew we wanted to come up with what are the design pillars? What are the things that have to be in a Dice of game so that when someone comes into it, they're not like, what is this crazy thing? It says Dice of Pirates, but it plays completely unique. Yeah. There has to be some unique elements, but there also had to be some things that were the same. And, you know, Badger and I spent a lot of time kind of going back and forth, figuring out what that was, and then, you know, working on the game and making sure it was fun and felt interesting and, and unique, but also didn't feel completely out of the blue. So is the plan to create like a franchise out of that, these kind of dice of uh, games? So you have the tin box, you've got your kind of, you know, main element, whether it be a crown or a ship that comes in the tin and then the tokens and so forth is in, in the dice. Is that something you guys are going to plan to kind of continue on or? Yeah, absolutely. And and we've done that with all of our Kickstarters as well. So um, in Dice of Crowns, when we sent it out to backers, we included a card and on the card, it said coming soon, Dice of Pirates. Oh, cool. So when people got Dice of Pirates, the card that we included said coming soon, Dice of Dragons. And that's the one that we've been working on. Uh, um, we had a prototype that went out. We sent it out to some reviewers. We got some feedback and some of the feedback wasn't as good as we were hoping. And so that was a great learning experience. Like, okay, we thought this game was kind of dialed in, but we've got some things we need to work on. So let's pull it back. Let's do some reconfiguring and redesigning. And we have, and I think the game that we have is leaps and bounds better than what we had when we sent the earlier prototypes out. And then after your Dice of Pirates came, the Seals of Cthulhu, and then from the Seals of Cthulhu, then into Dinos Not Assembled. On the Dinos Not Assembled, what I found very interesting on the page is there is a, uh, I think a nine-year-old kid, Dawson yep. or something that was the name, yeah. uh, that actually created this game with his mom. Like, What's, what's yep. the story behind that? That was such a fun story. So we were at one of the cons and we knew Dawson's mom. Uh, she's a really great lady, Alice Davis, uh, and, we, and her husband. We see them at the cons all the time. We game together. And she had been showing some different publishers this game that her son came up with. And just some dinos on some cards and they had some bones on cards as well. Kind of a compact card game. And she eventually showed us and we're like, this is really cool. This, for a game put together by your son, you know, she gave him some guidance and, you know, helped him kind That's of right. along as like a, almost like a producer, you know, level. It was really fun and interesting. And we loved the story that anyone can be a designer with, you know, that the right approach, the right open mind to look at things and being able to reiterate on stuff. So we're like, yeah, we'd, we'd like to sign this. You know, we have some really cool artists that we know that we think would be a great fit for it. But we want to take this not from a simple card game. We want to expand on this. We want to make this something really cool yeah. that will look awesome on the table, something really captivating for kids to, to see and something that's going to be engaging for parents as well as the kids, right? So it's one thing if your kid's like, hey, let's play this game. Like, oh, God, not that game again. Yeah. Where this, we want something that we knew that parents would be like, yeah, that's fun. Let's let's have fun together. And we set it out in playtesting, you know, the, the big prototype that we made. And parents, or not even just parents, like 
teens and stuff would come along and play it and they would get so vicious in the game but they would have fun and that's just awesome that you're seeing these kids that are like way outside the bounds of what you're sort of targeting still having fun with it how do you um handle i guess the the feedback part of that process being a you know you're producing these games and you've got a kid who's a kid right this mm-hmm. this created the game Obviously, there's going to be some input uh, from you guys, right? So you didn't just take the game and throw it like you're obviously going to make sure it's polished and everything. Before. How did you go about handling that communication so that, um, you know, uh, the, you know, the confidence and so forth is kind of preserved with with the kid while you're dealing with them, but at the same time, injecting, uh, you know, that that polish. How, how did you handle the balance of that? So we let. We let Alice handle the whole like that's mom. We, we, yeah, it's mom. Okay. We would give her feedback, but we would also give her um, constructive information behind it. Like, here's why, you know, or here's an issue that we're seeing. Here's some things that we think might benefit in fixing this problem. And, you know, she does a great job in how she interacts and works with them. Their entire family plays board games all the time. So that's I think cool. he's he's used to seeing his mom go back and rework things and reiterate on things so <clears throat> it wasn't completely foreign to him as a concept yeah and i think that probably helped make him a little more open to it you know rather than just like oh this is terrible you need to fix this more like um some people are having some problems so here's some things that we can do to fix this we want to make yeah. this better experience for them what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered or what is the biggest challenge? So you've now done five campaigns, which is a lot. Congratulations. Uh, the you. numbers uh, for anybody who's listening, I actually tallied everything up uh, uh, the other day and you've in total across your five campaigns, 4,531 backers and um, on uh, $115,000 uh, in total, which is That's crazy uh, to think about, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> So, um, that, uh, that, that's a huge, huge number. Yeah. When you kind of put them all together like that, what's, what's the biggest learning you would say? The biggest learning is for me, I would say never be afraid to fail. Uh, failure, people have look at that, that word failure and they hear it and they get terrified. But if we hadn't have failed quote unquote with dirty cops then dice of crowns wouldn't have been where it was if you can't learn from failure then you've got problems but failure is just like one of the major steps that you're going to be taking in order to make something better and that's what game design really is like you come up with an idea perfect example perfect example um seals of cthulhu uh that was a game that the original game that i created I hated. It was terrible. So bad that it was, I got done, I played it, I'm like, this is garbage. I'm going to put this away. And I nearly threw it away. Instead, I'm like, whatever, I'll just put these aside. I'll reuse the cards later. About a year later-ish, um, I happened to be looking through some stuff. I found it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this hot piece of garbage. And then a moment of inspiration just appeared in my head. And I thought, I know how to fix this. I, th- I think I know what this is missing. And so I ran to the table, quickly fixed a bunch of stuff and headed off to the game day that I was going to. And I'm like, okay, before we play stuff, I need you guys to play this with this with me. I think this is gonna fix some problems. We played it, yeah. it was broken and all that kind of stuff, but the fun was there and that was what was missing. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I have a base that I can work off now. I've, I've fixed the major hurdle. This is no longer hot garbage. This is fun. This needs to be polished and tweaked and, and modified, but this is fun. And that's what I was missing. So it's yeah. interesting that the whole kind of, uh, you know, you know, learn from failure, I think is important. And I'm not sure if it's Jamie Stagmeyer or there's someone in the industry said their model now is fail fast. Yeah. Fail fast. Try to get to that fail moment as fast as you can uh, in the process so that you can uh, more quickly iterate back up to, to kind of come up with the best product possible. And um, there's going to be issues, right? Every, yeah. every game you launch, you've done five, I guarantee every single one's had problems. Um, that that's just the whole fun of, of creating games and, and publishing them. Right. So it's trying to find out what are those failure areas or those, those, uh, things that you need to break quickly so you can get to that iter next iteration faster. And I think that's uh, kind of a cool process. Um, what's your next, do you have another game? So you've got the, the dice of, uh, of dragons coming up. Is there yep. another uh, game coming or what, what's, we have a bunch of games that we're working no on. Doubt. <laughs> I think uh, we've got about six active projects at various stages in development right now. Yeah. Um, there's a couple that I'm working on that are myself that are way too early to even bother talking about. Um, there's a game that we're working on that we are looking to put, we want to do just a straight manufacture and we're considering putting, contacting people like, you know, Target and Walmart and stuff oh, wow. like that. Like actual kind of a, a, a mass market game, but you know, kind of like a more like a, a hobby level mass market game um it's really fun we've been play testing with people and largely the feedback is this is fantastic i wish i could buy it right now so it's it's and these are people that look at uh mass market style games and look at that sort of approachability so been getting really good stuff on that um geez we're working with um, there's another game that we're working on that's in the Seals of Cthulhu universe. Yep. So when we did that game, we wanted to create a universe around it. And th this next game is going to be different than the Seals of Cthulhu, but will be kind of like an artifact from that world. Got if it. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So what's the so if people want to follow or they want to kind of link in or um, you know, follow along in the journey with you as you do these games, how best do they do that? Is there like a preview link that you have for your next game that uh, coming out or the Facebook page? How best do they do that? Uh, so we don't have a preview link for the Kickstarter yet. We're, there's some things that we still need to uh, get done from a prototype level mm -hmm. so we can start sending it out. But uh, if you want to follow us on, on Facebook, it's Thing12Games. Uh, if you want to look, look us up on Instagram, it's Thing12Games. And if you like uh, horrible dad jokes and lots of talk about games, uh, then follow us on Twitter at Thing12Games as well. That sounds super easy to find. So uh, Sean, I just want to thank you so much uh, for coming on this podcast. It's been uh, educational for me. Uh, I'm excited to see the next, uh, next game come from you guys. Obviously you guys are on a roll and you're having a lot of fun doing it. So I want to wish you all thank the you. best and you take care. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group board game binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us.
See you next time.